Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Naomi Carmack. I'm really excited to bring you the very first episode of my new podcast focused on the smaller known entities of the 90s. This is Dope Nostalgia. And yes, this is our very first episode. In the future, I'm going to be having some co-hosts come down and join me. And we're going to be discussing the different artists, um, all kinds of crazy stuff. You guys are also invited if you're interested, if you want to join the show for an episode or you just want to bring up a certain band you want to talk about, any of that. You just email us and let us know. Our email address is Dope Nostalgia Podcast. I know it's really long, but yeah, I couldn't find anything else that was free on gmail.com. Uh, send us an email. Let us know what you want to see. Uh, I'll be telling you guys later about all our social media so you can follow us, subscribe, all that good stuff. And in the meanwhile, our very first episode, we're going to focus on a band that I was lucky enough to interview one of the guitar players for last week. Um, his name is Tim Stevens. He's currently living in Mississippi, and he took some time out of the schedule to talk to me. It was supposed to be a 15-minute interview. It ended up being a whole hour because that's a good sign of a great conversation. Things went great, and he's a fabulous guy to talk to, really down-to-earth, really awesome. So I'll be bringing you that shortly. In the meanwhile, we got to give you some of the history on this band, the band EMF. Okay, this song was massive. It came out in 1990 from the album Schubert Dip. The band EMF put it out and it became a number one U.S. Billboard hit single. Now, I had the opportunity to hear the song probably um, back on AM radio. It was 1990, so our big hit station where I grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, was called 630 Ched. Um... They had the open house party, which was a big syndicated show across, and it still exists today, the open house party, just not here in town. Wikipedia Moments. EMF are a British alternative rock band from Cinderford, Gloucestershire. Now, I don't know if Gloucestershire is like Worcestershire, where there's actually like, where you just say Worcestershire. I can't even say that word. Anyways, they're from England, and they came to prominence at the beginning of the 90s, during their initial eight-year run from 1989 to 1997. EMF released three studio albums and went on hiatus, and reformed twice. Their first single, Unbelievable, reached number three in the UK. Only number three in their home country, but number one right in the US from their debut album, Sherbert Dip, that went to number three in the UK albums chart. The band have split up and reformed three times. The members of EMF consisted of James Atkin on vocals, DJ Milf, the turntable master, Ian Dench on guitars, as well as Zach Foley on bass, and on drums, Mark DeClout. This was the original lineup of the band that had broken up a couple times and got back together. Tim Stevens joined the band as the guitar player in the year 2007 when the band reformed again. Unfortunately, Zach Foley passed away on January 3rd, 2002 of a drug overdose. Now the band name EMF is an abbreviation of the phrase Epsom Mad Funkers. It was a name taken from a fan club of the band New Order in 1989. The song Head of the Ball, which featured on the remix single release of Lies, featured the phrase Ecstasy Motherfucker. So henceforth, people thought that was what EMF stood for, and they were wrong. 
In 1990, their debut single, Unbelievable, topped the charts in many countries around the world, but it wasn't until July 1991 where it hit number one in the USA. The single featured sampled utterances from comedian Andrew Dice Clay. He was a hot comic. He was bad, bad, bad back in the day. Now he's pretty tame, but yeah, Andrew Dice Clay, look him up. EMF released their debut album, Schubert Dip, which went to number three in the UK, as I mentioned earlier. The name was explained by songwriter and guitarist Ian Dench as, if I'm ever short of a chord sequence, I nick one from Schubert. There you go. Successful singles from the album included I Believe, Children, and Lies. The latter was controversial as it included a voice sample of Mark Chapman, John Lennon's murderer. Yoko Ono, Lennon's wife, achieved an injunction and a modified version was included in future pressings. So the band had a big hit on their hands, first album doing great, so what do you do? You released your sophomore album. So in 1992, EMF returned with the Unexplained EP, which included a cover version of Search and Destroy, and later the album Stigma, their second album. Now, both of these releases didn't do so hot on the charts, unfortunately. The singles released were Getting Through, They're Here, and It's You. In 1995, they came out with the album Cha Cha Cha, released a couple singles, and also teamed with some comedians and recorded a version of I'm a Believer, the cover of the Monkees classic, which once again got them onto the UK singles chart at number three. After that, they put out another single called Afro King, which didn't do so well as well. So this ended up being the first time the band split up. They got together again in 2001 to give a reunion gig in London and released a Greatest Hits album. Unfortunately, in 2002, then Zach had passed away from a drug overdose of non-prescribed drugs. A few more gigs that year and the band decided to split for a second time. Then 2007 rolls along. They got back together to do a one-off gig at King's Cross London. And hey, they did some more shows together as well, also introducing the guitar player Tim Stevens to the band. So then they did some more gigs and broke up again, 2009. Third reunion happens, they get back together again, play every track from the album Schubert Dip in order to coincide with the 21st anniversary re-release. Tim Stevens, all the way from Mississippi, decided to take some time out of his schedule and chat with me. I'd like to share that interview with you now. You joined the band in 2007 as the guitarist when Ian Dench departed the band. Had you been playing in many projects before joining EMF? Yeah, yeah, I've been playing in like a lot. I've been playing a lot of uh, doing a lot of session work mm-hmm. outside of that band. Um, and uh, I, I used to play in a band called Thirst. Um, they had a they were they were signed to it like a, a, a San Francisco label called The Vip Records or something. Mm-hmm. They had an album out. Um, did some recording with those guys. Um, actually, the the bass player who plays for EMF now, Steve Marsh, he, he was in the same band. We're actually like like best buds. Oh, cool. I've gone, gone the gig to play bass for EMF um, in like 2011 or something, I believe. Uh, but yeah, I've been I've been playing since I was like I started guitar when I was like seven. So um, my dad used to take me around to like local bars and stuff and just throw me in the deep end with like <laughs> other bands saying like oh, go go and earn your keep. Some. That's good. You, it was fun there. It's good to have supportive parents, especially in the music business. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I've been floating around in the industry for a while doing like um, just bits and pieces um, with bigger bands and stuff. But when, I mean, when I hit the gig with EMF, like, it was kind of surreal. So 
it because I was kind of a big fan of theirs anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so it was quite cool. Yeah. How did you so, get? How did you discover yeah. the band? How did I discover the band? Yeah. Um, basically, uh, well, I obviously used to live in Cornwall um, with my parents, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember just sitting my dog in front of the TV in, in like I don't know, it must have been either 1990 or 1991, mm-hmm. and they were on. I think it was like Top of the Pops. Yeah. And uh, they. They were playing. They were playing like obviously unbelievable and stuff. But mm-hmm. they called my eyes straight away. I was like, That's, "This, I, I want to be in this band one day." Because I turned around to my mum and sort of jokingly <laughs> said, "Like this, this coolest band ever." So, getting a phone call from the drummer of the band asking me to audition for the band was kind of surreal again. Because mm. um, it actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> Dreams do come true. No kidding, right? Kind of funny. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm kind of going off the script here, but in Canada, I know. That, yeah, yeah, go for it, go for it. <laughs> Un- Unbelievable was obviously a massive hit in Canada, um, but I'm imagining in the UK their success was probably great, like a lot, a lot bigger and more huge. I, I'm not actually sure. I, I think I actually think, um, and this is, I mean, this, I mean, the band might like, disagree with me, but I think. Um, they went to number one in America. I think they went to number one in Canada. Right. I'm not sure. That's I think right. they did. They, like they were bigger. I think they were bigger outside of England, from what I'm gathering. Yeah, that can happen. Um, I could be wrong. <laughs> no, but that definitely can happen, and it is true. They did have a U.S. number yeah. one Billboard um, top hit with yeah. "Unbelievable," um, so that really broke yeah. them stateside. Um, you yourself, did you attend music school, or are you self-taught? Uh, well, I, I mean, I had a guitar teacher when I first started, mm-hmm. and then he decided to move to America, <laughs> yeah. and then I uh, kind of went off on my own, and then um, me and Steve, the, the bass player of uh, EMF, he, uh, we both went to the same college together, and it was studying, uh, like, performing arts at, like, college, which is, I don't know if you have, in, in America, college is, like, university, so... Yes. This is more like, I suppose you would call it high school in America. I don't know about Canada. Um, it's like when you when you hit 16, you go off and do like something where it's actually more what you want to do in life. You know what I mean? So yeah. we went, me and him went to, to Southdowns College in in Hampshire in, in England and got up to all sorts of, of fun. Oh, wonderful. I'm sure, I'm sure if you speak to that guy, he'll tell you some funny stories. No kidding, eh? <laughs> but yeah, so like I've I've got a bit of both, really, like a bit of self taught and a bit of um, you know obviously academic stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, in Canada um, it's like yeah. it's Canada's a bit different. It's um, elementary, junior high, high school, and then college or university. Kind of how yeah, it's just like it's a little bit more like uh, American and mm-hmm. what part of Canada? Where you, what bit of Canada did you live? Um, I'm in Western Canada, so I'm in a province called Alberta. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, um, yeah, that's cool, because I know a lot of times I'll talk to people in America who don't know where things are in Canada, so I totally understand <laughs> when people don't. Like, since I've, I've, been, I've, I've been here, like, five years in, in America, and I haven't hit everywhere. I've been, I've been to, like, the West Coast, the East Coast. I've been all the way Midwest. I've been a lot of Texas, you know what I mean? But like, I always like to find where I'm, where I 
am in the world and in relationship to me. Because, mm-hmm. like, Canada and America is such big continents. Like, you know, it's... I played a, a show with the band I'm in now uh, up in a, in a place called Frankenmuth, which is, like, just north of Michigan. Okay. Like, right on that peninsula up there. Um, that's, like, right next to Canada, but I don't really know what part of Canada that's next. No, that's, that's, uh, that would yeah, be probably close Ontario. I'm guessing for me, yeah, maybe, yeah, close. Ontario is a huge province, yeah. so. But yeah, um, that was a long drive. <laughs> I can only that was a horrendous drive. It was like 15 hours or something crazy from Florida where we were playing the night before. This is a or hard country to, for for musicians to tour. This is a hard country to tour because of the massive size, right? Yeah, I know. Just stick me on a plane. Come on. <laughs> I don't want to do the driving. Right. I'm English. We don't do driving. <laughs> uh, I need to visit Europe because everything's so close together. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't have to drive too far for a gig. Yeah. Go on, sorry. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the tracks I enjoy is Skin. Um, the guitar work on it uh-huh. is very melodic to me. It's essentially the melody uh-huh. of the song. Um, what are your favorite tracks to play on? Um, I think one of my favorite uh, songs that um, EMX ever played is Arizona. Okay. You know, that's, you know that song? Yes, I've heard that song. Yeah, and I think it's... Now, 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 now. It's got a very, a very, again, a very melodic... Um, it's not offshoot with it. Um, but it's, it's still a very, like, um, melodic guitar line. Ian was great at it. I mean, because he's classically trained. He's like bringing up a lot of those kind of melody kind of guitar lines, you know, which mm. I'd always enjoy playing. Especially if you've got the right sound mm-hmm. to embellish that, you know, it's, it was always good. And um, I really like James's um, vocals on it as well, you know, like if you listen to that song, you know, it's, um, I don't know what the word is, but. Um, like the way he, because obviously, he, like if you listen to the way James sings, which is, um, it's very British sounding. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the only way I can. It's on the Stigma album anyway. But if you listen to Stigma and listen to um, Arizona, I think it's like track two, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It's just, a, it's just, a, it's a really not well composed song, but the, the lyrics are really, really, really good. Yes, it is. It's um, track two. And it's his tone, and yeah, and it was, it was just. It was always a, it's a nice guitar line to play. We didn't, I never got to play it much of them. Um, I think we played it like once or twice. But, um, mm-hmm. It was always a fun shot, uh, song to play. So.
we were going to have a, a Spotify playlist um, set up, obviously, for everyone to be able to hear some of the songs we're talking about today. Um, so that's something that I will be sharing with everybody, our regular Spotify playlist with all the EMF tracks. Um, cool. Now, I didn't want to ask you too many boring questions, so you probably heard over and over and over through the interviews. Thank you. But I'm going to ask you one that I'm sure you've been asked. Epson, Epson oh, Matt Funker. I get asked this all the time, you mean. I don't know what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> where, where did it come from? Where did uh, it come from? That's one thing, that's one thing I don't know. I, the, the question I get mostly is like, EMF, what does it stand for? And obviously I don't know, can I swear on this podcast or not? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, right. So uh, obviously, uh, EMF, like, it, you obviously know it's Epson Mad Bunkers. Yes. Um, but throughout the other song, like, they suit for the songs, like, Barry hit these samples, um, which is like, ecstasy, motherfucker. And then, you know, <laughs> so, like, everyone always thought it was ecstasy, motherfucker. And there's a song, obviously, called EMF, which is ecstasy, motherfucker, motherfucker, for Musty, you know? Mm-hmm. So people thought it was that. Right. Um, but all, the, the one thing I know is they couldn't fit Epson Mad Funkers on their first poster for the gig. They had a gig somewhere. The poster was And they couldn't small. fit it on, so they just abbreviated it to EMF, and voila, there's your band name. You know? Perfect. Which is pretty cool, but I do, like, I do chuckle with myself, and people ask me all the time if I bump into them what it actually stands for. That leads me... It's, uh, that, that's a good explanation. And that leads me into another question, too. I actually received a question from a listener um, before. Okay. Her name's Crystal from Edmonton. Um, she was wondering if... Hi, in, Crystal. <laughs> she's wondering if in the song Unbelievable, if they are saying, what the fuck? Is that, are they yeah. saying that? Yeah, it's, it's samples. Yeah, it's, there's samples to it. Um, a, lot, a lot of... Uh, um, samples were in, in in the EMF music. If you listen to it, you'll hear loads of um, samples taken from uh, like radio DJs and all kinds of things. But yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> She'll be happy to. I don't want to swear again, but <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. This is yeah. My it's... mom, my mom will kill me if I swear again. <laughs> um, do you ever get bored of playing Unbelievable? Or how do you keep it fresh for yourself? Like, obviously you're not doing it now, but then did you ever get bored of playing the same hit over and over? Uh-uh. No, no. When I, when I was playing in the band, it was, it was. I mean, you, all the other songs in the set, you can play in front. Like, I played something like a few shows, like, to, to big crowds, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and having a, when you play a song that everybody knows, everybody's going to sing it back to you. You know, if you play like uh, Arizona, for instance, what we were talking about just a minute ago, or if you were playing um, Like the Burns or any any other song, they unless they're hardcore EMF fans, they're not going to sing it back to you. But everywhere, everyone on this planet knows Unbelievable. Unfortunately, the song is bigger than the band. You yeah. know? So everybody will sing that back to you. And if you've ever heard 5,000 people or 10,000 people sing that song back to you, it's pretty scary. It's I, pretty... I don't it, think that would ever it's get It's pretty scary, but it's cool. Having yeah, that right. many people know your music? Yeah. So were you guys... Right. 
were I know I know like we said earlier you did join the band later but were you guys bad boys did you sure. and your mates get in trouble um yeah I mean obviously any band like who likes to drink and have fun get every, every uh, I learned a lot of bad habits from that band <laughs> <laughs> getting in trouble for stuff you know I mean I can't I don't want to like throw anyone under the bus mm-hmm. at this point but yeah yeah, I'm, and I'm still I'm still the same in the band I'm with now. Mm-hmm. The band I joined five years ago. The singer is just like me. He likes to get in trouble. He likes to have some fun. Yeah, like you know, off stage and on stage. You know. Yeah, uh, I get it. I'm still I'm still partying the, myself. So. You know, the, every every member of EMF um, are super sweet guys. Like they're they're very humble. Mm-hmm. You know, but they're also a lot of fun as well. I mean, Gary. that's what you got to do. <laughs> so it's, exactly. good, it's good to hear that, that they're wonderful, humble people too. Well, I, think, I mean, in this, yeah, in this industry, there's too many assholes, you know, where mm-hmm. they're, they're not like that. You know, I've met a lot of guys where I'm just like, shut up. Like, <laughs> you don't even have a right to be that kind of way. You know, you should be, always be humble, no matter who you are, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, be a nice person, you know, everyone's the same at the end of the day. It's true. We all have the like ups and downs and problems and just how you deal with it matters. Right. Yeah. We all watch Game of Thrones. I mean what's the problem? <laughs> Damn right. We sure did. <laughs> um so there's this phenomenon that people say exists that around the age of thirty, many of us just stop listening to sure. new music and just listen to what they already like. Um for me, that's very true because I'm very stuck in the '90s. Hence, this podcast. Um, do you listen to new music? Sure. And who's a recent artist yeah. that you enjoy? Yeah, like um, the, going back to the band I'm playing in. Like we, we we do so many miles. Like Sunday, we drove like nine hours from Dallas back to uh, where we live in Mississippi, mm-hmm. um, and uh, like. What are you going to do? Like, Spotify is really good for that because you can find your, you know, like new music and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we we like to obviously listen to the to the oldies and goldies, but we also like to listen to new music. Mm-hmm. And they don't really on on like the radio nowadays. They don't really show you anything. You know, you have to actually, which is actually yeah. in a good in a good way. You have to go and find it yourself. Yeah, you know, that's true. But I used to not I used to not like um, Spotify because obviously you don't get paid. Should I say this? Yeah, sure. No, you can say that. Uh, you don't get paid as much money as you used to, yeah. right? Um, but like places like Spotify and you know Apple Music and Pandora, they show you the new music, which I find find amazing. So, mm-hmm. and it depends on what you like. And if, if you like a certain band, they'll be it'll recommend something that you know might be up your alley. You know, so. Um, but yeah, like a. Uh, New bands, new artists I've found. 
uh, oh, they, they are awesome. Yeah. They got a, they have a song called uh, Billy Balloon Head. And um, we always Amazing. put that on when we're going somewhere just to get us pumped up for the big drive, you know. Um, they're kind of like, they're, they're rock and roll bands, you know. They're not like, I mean, EMF is a rock and roll band too, but yeah. um, they're more electro, pop, rock and roll. You know, this is like, they're actually just a like straight rock and roll band, you know. Right. Um, Which kind of like, kind of similar to sort of like Jet and bands like that, you know, but um, I don't know. It's just, they're, 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 they're kind of lined up my good my uh 2020 there's not enough rock and roll in the world anymore so it's good to know there isn't that the good yeah, bands that are still making it making it happen right yeah there's those guys and if you like if you like something heavier like um similar to some like a band like backbone cherry mm-hmm. there's a band called monster truck and i don't know where they're, they're from, canadian they're uh, sorry monster truck i believe are canadian Oh, you know Monster Truck? Yes, we do. They're fantastic. They do play. They played yeah, my wanna... city opening for Slash and the Conspirators. Oh, okay. So they're right, very cool. popular here. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. They're a great band. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, big shout out to them guys too because they, they keep us pumped up on the road. Nice. Hopefully, I think you'll probably have to find Massive Wagon and the Monster Truck on the same bill probably somewhere in Canada. Good. <laughs> Good. Oh, and, and, and they're marketing geniuses because of the t-shirts. I don't know if you've seen them, but they're sheets. They're oh, sheets. They don't fuck with the truck. And, <laughs> Fantastic. and, and like everyone it. wants one of those shirts. So it's very brilliant. I bet they do. Fuck with the truck. That's brilliant. So your current project is with, I want to say the name right, Moe Giles. What? How do I say yeah, it? Mo Giles, yeah, Moe Giles. Moe Giles. I, I say it wrong too. <laughs> Mo Giles. Mo Giles. American saying with the Giles. Mo Giles, man. Awesome. How did you get involved with that? And what's, uh, are they bluesy? Are they doing originals? What are they all about? It's, yeah, you can you can listen to it on like, Spotify and stuff. Um, if you put the, there's Mo Giles, which is like where you split the Mo and the Giles up. Mm-hmm. And you can also put it together and find Mo Giles. And uh, the earlier stuff we did was, um, original stuff but, um, more of a pop country like pop rock country kind of thing you know a bit like Florida Georgia Line mm-hmm. kind of thing you know I don't know if you know that band yeah. that's the kind of where it sort of started and, and slowly it's evolving I don't know what's going to be next but you can find actually James uh, I mean he did a remix of our Spring Break single which yeah. you can find on Spotify and stuff so that's awesome it's it's a it's a dancey remix. He did a great, a great job on it. Okay. Well, good um, look for that. But how did I get involved? It was, uh, how was it again? I can't remember now. I, I, basically, me and my girlfriend at the time went on a cruise um, and uh, we, uh, but I basically, but I get real itchy when I haven't got a guitar around me. So we're going away for a week. What am I going to do? I want to go and play guitar somewhere. Mm-hmm. So we were, I think the first night we were there, we went down to this little blues bar on the ship. Um, and what was the guy's name? Slam Allen, I think his name was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a three-piece kind of band, basically, that were playing there. Just They were just like jamming colors, basically, in this little blues bar. But I was attracted to going and seeing music. You know? But I think word got around. I mean, I, I had a big pink mohawk at the time, so I was walking around. <laughs> 
down the ship and making a little bit of, um, you know, people, like, getting people talking and stuff about, you know, who's, like, who's this guy with a big pink mohawk on this ship where everyone else is wearing, like, you know, suits and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I went in there and, and the, the guitar player of the band, like, looked at me and was like, for some reason he knew I was a guitar player and he, he just gave me the guitar. So I, um, I got up and just jammed some songs with them and then in the end he said, uh, I did, like, come every night and jam with those guys, which to me was awesome because <laughs> me being without a guitar just sucks. I'm probably the, the moodiest, grumpiest person on the planet if I don't have a guitar in my But yeah, like um, the, the, the bass player of Mojiles, the original bass player of Mojiles, was on the, on the cruise, he was on the ship. And he got up and just jammed bass on one of the songs while I was jamming on, and we just became friends. Um, and then a few years later, we were, he, he needed a guitar player. This is the short version. Needed a guitar player, and um, I was like 33 or 34 at the time, and nothing was going on with EMF. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? It sounds like a great idea. So I just, you know, I, when I hit 34 or 35, I was just, I'm not going to turn anything down, you know? Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, so basically, like, we've got, Obviously, work visas and all that sort of thing. And then I'm, I think I've got here, I left the country on Boxing Day of 2014. And I think my first show was like New Year with the band. Mm-hmm. So um, that's how it kind of came about. But obviously, it was like, there was obviously a lot of talking and figuring out like visas and all that kind of stuff, which is always a nightmare. Uh, okay. I don't think it, there's a nightmare between England and Canada because it's Someone to do the Commonwealth, I don't think we need too much of it. Yeah, no, I think it's a lot easier in the Commonwealth, for sure. But mm. and then yeah. after nine eleven, trying to travel in America has always been a bit more difficult. So Yeah. So yeah, it's understandable. <laughs> um so that was yeah. one of my questions was obviously answered when you first started speaking when I asked, Are you from America? Okay. Obviously you're not. <laughs> Um, Howdy, partner. No, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I'm English, living in America. And, you, and you're from Cornwall? Yes, I'm Cornish. Okay. Um, I was born in Bath in Somerset okay. originally, not too far from where the MF boys are. And then, uh, I grew up um, in, like, in Cornwall. And um, once I left Cornwall, I ended up just going and playing. You know, I didn't, didn't want to do anything else. So. Do you now spend a, a much time in the UK to go back? I home? haven't actually been back home in the last since I've been here five years. I haven't been back. Like my parents have been to see me, and my my cousin Harry mm-hmm. comes to see me too. You know, so um, it's it's more than a, my my uh, since. And this is no like disrespect to Trump, but since Trump got in, he's tied up immigration. Mm. So um, for me to leave, like I've got, I've got. A, um, an O1B work visa, you know, that I'm on currently. Yes. Um, and it's like, I can leave, but because I opened up a green card um, application, it puts a question mark by your name. Right. So, like, when I'm coming back, it's going to be, uh, like, a headache for my, my immigration lawyer. <laughs> he, he was like, like mm, you can, you can go back and see your parents, stuff or whatever, you know, but uh, it's going to be a little bit of a nightmare getting back in because it just puts a question mark, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, whole, like, driving here, as soon as you're trying to 
things you're trying to change, um, like status, whatever, you know, uh, it uh, puts a question mark by the name. So I'd like to go back, but obviously, hopefully this year, all, all of it will come together and I'll be able to go back and spend some time with the family, you know. Yeah. Uh, it would be nice. You know, there's, there's really not much for me to go back for anyway. You know, I used to have a girlfriend and they're dead, but I don't anymore. So. Mm. Oh, uh, and my family likes to come out here because I live in the South and, you know, Southern hospitality in America is, is, a, is a real thing. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I still need to visit. Come down here. They enjoy it. Sorry. I need to visit the South. I haven't yet. So flown over it. Yeah, it. it's, it's fun down here. Well, my sister, she lives in Philadelphia. Or oh. New Jersey, somewhere in New Jersey, whatever. Yeah. And um, the, like, and it's not no disrespect to America, but as soon as you go north, it's a lot different. Like attitudes are different, you know, and people are different. Yes. It's, it's definitely a lot more laid back in the south, and um, and the beaches are just unbelievable. Nice. Like Pensacola Beach, I think, like one of the top five beaches. That's where I moved to originally when I first came over. To Pensacola. It's something I'll have to do one day, yeah. for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I just got yeah. home from Jamaica, so I flew over, but didn't. Uh, nice. Nice. <laughs> um, nice. That's a nice part about Jamaica. It's a beautiful country. People are lovely. I really enjoy mm -hmm. it. Um, tell us yeah. about your gear setup for live shows. What kind of what brands of gear do you like to use? <laughs> All right. So. Um, when I was moving here, like before I left, I was using this brand called Stephen Amplification. Can you say that again? Uh, they're, they're kind of funny. They make they, sorry. Can you repeat the name? I'm sorry. Friedman. Friedman. F R I E D M A N. Okay, Yeah. I've heard David Friedman makes them. Yeah, they make an amp called uh, the Brown Eye. Okay. <laughs> uh, all of his all of his amps are made, like named after a real silky thing. <laughs> kind of funny. Um, but like I was using one of those and I, I've always gravitated to like, multi-amp setups so I like real amps you know um, and he, he uh, I'm endorsed by that that, that brand uh, Freedom there you go. Um, and I, I use a Freedom with a, with a Supro uh, there's another amp I use and I use a multi-amp setup um, and the guitars I've always used as many guitars as I can get my hands on but uh, I have got a company, or there's a guy called Billy Rowe, which is Rock and Roll Relic, because I Rock and Roll Relic's guitars. Mm. He builds all my guitars now for me. Um, uh, you, you can check it out on like probably my Instagram page, see all the guitars that you guys have on. So, um, but my life setup is is ridiculous. How many like <laughs> amps and so right here at this point in the conversation the phone decides to hang up. Great. So I'm like, oh no, oh no, I've lost this whole thing. But there's more to come. We're just going to get back to that after this break. It's that time of the show where we would like to thank Analog Brewing here in Edmonton for being the official beer of Dote Nostalgia. Located at 8620 53rd Avenue, Analog Brewing is one of Edmonton's award-winning breweries. 
Look for their retro video game cans at your local liquor store or their growing number of tap handles around the city. Or better yet, go visit Adam and Brian in person. Their tap room is open Thursdays through Saturdays from 4 p.m. until 11 p.m. And enjoy $6 pints and an everyday low price of $13 per four-pack on their retro styles with a Z so you know they are 90s kids. That's Analog Brewing Company at 8620 53rd Avenue, Edmonton. Open Thursdays through Saturdays from 4 p.m. until 11 p.m. Analog Brewing, official beer of dope nostalgia. That's a little sample of the song Skin by EMF that I was just raving about. I really love this guitar part. And you know what? I think it kind of reminds me a little bit of the song If by Janet Jackson, just slightly. That dirty video, it was just the most amazing choreography. Ah, one of my favorites, but off topic. We're going back now to our interview where uh, we reconnected with Tim Stevens. He called me back right away when we took off where we left off. Um, but yeah, I left off asking how many guitars do you think you have in your collection? Oh, my word. All right. Um, generally on the road we take four but I think I've got about eight I believe mm -hmm. I think eight yeah about eight eight of them so um, yeah and probably more to come mm -hmm. <laughs> but like you can't take them all out on the road because we just can't get them all on the road you know so a lot of them stay here with, with under the bed or in my studio pick the favourites for that time they're like your babies. Sorry? They're like they're like a musician's babies, right? Got they it. really are. Yeah, I mean, there's some. they all sound different, and they all have their, um, their quirks. I actually built, I actually built one, of, uh, one of my guitars uh, last year when my parents came over. I, was, I sprayed it up um, and bowled it all together, and it actually sounded. I've been using it today in the studio, so. But they, they all, guitars all sound different, and... Um, Anyone that says to me there's one guitar that can do it all, I will call bullshit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there is, it, it's impossible. It's impossible for it to actually be that way. Isn't it? It's how they're built. Um, but yeah, I've, yeah, I've, I've used I've used a lot, a lot of guitar in my lifetime, and sometimes you like you let one go because you don't use it as much, you know. But I would, if I could afford to just keep all of them, I would have. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's a shame. But, um, no, it's true. Do you play? Are you? I play enough to write music. I don't play well, <laughs> but I, I can oh, okay. play enough chords that I, I write with a guitar. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Um, I was going to yeah. ask you, what would you tell the 16-year-old version of yourself now? <laughs> don't drink and drive. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I don't know. I don't know. That's a funny question. What would I tell a 16-year-old? When I was 16, I was playing as much as I could, and my 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 dad, bless him, he totally it was right, just go out and you know, cut your teeth out of there, but what would I what would I tell him? I don't know, let, let me think about that while we while we go over some other and I'll see if I can <laughs> figure out something good to say. Right, that's <laughs> good. Ask me another question. Um <laughs> so who have you had an opportunity to meet in the music business that you were excited to meet or taught you the most? Okay. Um, yeah. Um, it's probably a, there's a couple of producers actually, mm -hmm. which, um, taught me a, a, like a record producers that live in, uh, Los Angeles. 
Um, it's um, Howard Benson and Mike Plotnikoff. Okay. Um, they're known for so many records, like um, Blackstone Cherry. Um, you know, they, they did like the Hoobastank. They were that, that uh, yeah. the reason they did that. Yeah. I think they they did the uh, uh, the POD records. Especially that. the big one that everybody knows. Yeah, Alive. they they've done everything exactly. That's the that's the record. Um, but they 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 do a lot of stuff. I think they do. I think they even do Kelly Clarkson stuff. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how I sort of like. I went there with Jack, um, who was playing drums. Actually, my cousin Jack, he was playing drums for EMF until Mark came back recently. I think he's playing. Mark's playing the Connect the Canada show coming up now. Mm-hmm. Because Mark was out of, he was out of the loop because he hurt himself. I think he fell off a, off a roof or something and hurt his arm. Mm. So he, he was, he was out. And my, my cousin Jack, who is a, again, he was like me, a session drummer. Mm. He, uh, he jumped in the saddle and he was playing the shows with them. But we, me and him, we were working with this Russian artist called Max. And, um, he, uh, we were working, the, the, the record was being produced by Mike, Mike Ponikov and Howard Benson. Um, and we'd already done a lot, a lot of session work, me and Jack together, let alone outside of that. But just going and working with the big, when you work with really, really big guys in the industry, I learned more, not about my playing, just more about tones. Do you know what I mean? And guitar players in the studio have to do a lot of, we have to do a lot of recording. You know, we have, you know, every song that you do multiple, mm-hmm. like different guitars, different amps, just for different sections, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, Mike, Mike Plotnikoff, he actually just helped me discover all the amps that I need in my life. You know, like, um, you know, all the, like, he was using this company called Wizard Amps. They're, they're Canadian. Wizard? Um, yeah, Wizard, you know those? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, what Wizard Amps. Okay. Yeah, like, check them out. They're, they're a Canadian uh, company. Like, they're probably, I would say, the biggest most sought after amplifier on the planet and he still makes them and makes them himself. He's the guy that makes them is the guitar tech for ACDC. Uh-huh. And yeah, and he, he built them and modified their, their amps, um, under the, and obviously like for Joe Perry from Harrisonworth and all these other guys, um, with an amps. And he, he actually, um, has a couple of them cause he's actually got an endorsement with those guys. Um, but they, they are honestly they're, they're incredible amplifiers um, those, I think it's Wizard and Friedman that kind of pretty much ruled the roost in guitar amplifier you know because they've taken like the old designs but making it bomb proof and <laughs> like you know just modifying them and stuff you know but just see it when I walked into the studio what was it called um it's in Woodland Hill somewhere. I can't even remember the name. This is the recording studio, but they've got their own setup over there. And as soon as I walked in, there was, I don't know, like 20 amps on the wall mm-hmm. that you can plug into just the different sounds. Old one, you know, really old 50s and amps and up to like, you know, like modern amps, you know. So they had everything. So <clears throat> my plan, like, I didn't really learn much playability wise because I'd already cut my teeth in the studio with other producers, you know. Mm-hmm. But the the like you know guitars and tones and things like that you know I learned a lot from from Mike 
that I use today. You know, I, I, I was in a recording session last night with this kid, up and coming kid called Morgan Tyler. Mm-hmm. Look out for him. He's gonna. I think he's got. He's actually got a, uh, a song out on Spotify. Morgan. But I'm working with him at the moment. Morgan Tyler. Yeah. Morgan Tyler. Awesome. Um, yeah. Um, he does. He's doing that like, kind of new country thing. Okay. But all, all any like any like of the like the tone and what guitars to use and stuff. I I still use that in every session I do with whoever. Even if it's not me playing, I'll make them use that kind of um, this sound for that and I'll you know like all the things I learned from Mike I, I'll keep it in today so thank you Mike if you listen in before you know he's probably working with some huge bands on there but uh, no, <laughs> so, yeah that, that's, the, that's the person that I enjoyed meeting the most I, I definitely would say no it's wonderful all the things you can learn from different folks along the way especially producers <laughs> exactly Sure. I think you you learn more from like actually experience experiencing something from like people than you do in a classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in the music industry, I think you can learn more actually going out and doing it. It's you true. Know, you learn, learn a lot about yourself. So. Some of the best uh, people I know in the music business that I admire did not go to school for it. Um, for instance, my mm-hmm. I would tell you my favorite guitar player is Nuno Betancourt. Okay. He yeah, 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 he was in the band Extreme. He still is, but he's mm. completely self-taught. Mm. Yeah. yeah, he's a he's a virtuoso kind of guitarist too. Mm-hmm. I think mean, he's he's actually a Freeman artist too. Is he? He's on the same list as I'm. I'm on. Yeah, he uses the play on I. Excellent. Yeah, Ben Cool. Um, Get the funk out. Oh, this is that song the other day actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm a fan for sure. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, what are your thoughts on the music business? No, we kind of touched on this when we talked about Spotify and the and the, yeah. and the payment. Your thoughts um, on the music business and how it's running now compared to, like, the 90s? Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, it's in some ways it's kind of disheartening a little bit, just purely from, um, you know, like, if I, if I think about the, band, the bands I love now, would they be signed that? Like, would the Rolling Stones get, like, that's one of my favorite bands, the Rolling Stones. Mm. Would they get signed nowadays? I don't know. But they're, like, the, the biggest, one of the biggest bands in the world. Right. And, like, I went and saw them recently in New Orleans, and, you know, their songs stand up today as they did, like, if you listen to the recordings, you know. But, like, I think Frank Zappa said it the best. It's like, it used to be the, uh, no one knew. You know, like the, the big wig A&R guy that nobody liked in the, in the old days. Mm-hmm. He was that guy that, although he didn't know, he was always up for gambling on, let's take a shot. You know, if it doesn't work, we won't do another album with him, you know? Mm-hmm. But, that, but then they decided for some reason to get some, like, kids involved who they thought would know. And, and you know, and, and you got to put your hand, like, hands up for those kids because they did discover some great stuff. But they also developed a... Thing which I kind of I kind of hate about the music industry. No matter what artist I play for, the creativity side is lost. Do you know what I mean? Yes. We've narrowed down songs to be under three minutes long. Yes, um, it's got to sound a certain way. Otherwise, it's people you know, kids don't want to listen to it unless it's got this in it. And yep. you know, and like I like the kind of like the bands. Like, and, and that's one thing I really, although. EMF are technically a pop band. Um, they 
have their they have their own thing going on. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's something that I think nowadays gets stifled in this industry because the producers brought brought in for a certain reason because you know because he's the hit maker kind of thing. Um, and I don't want to sound negative about the industry because I'm still working in it. You right. know, but go on. Right, but there are frustrations involved. Absolutely. Yeah, Especially I just feel like the creativity is not where it used to be. You know, like artists really—they talk about artist development. And I've, I've done a lot of development with a lot of artists from early days. You know, and if you stifle the development in creativity, you're not going to find your Jimi Hendrix, or you're not going to find your Zeppelins, or your EMFs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even Guns N' Roses and, and like extreme and stuff, they got to, you know, like kids nowadays when I like get in the room with like, uh, I shouldn't say kids, although I'm 40 in like a couple of days, <laughs> uh, like, I have a weird saying kids, but basically like kids are going into the recording or into the jam room to jam over their songs now and they are sticking to the rules. You know, they're not trying to break the rules, bash the door down like, Everyone did back in the day, you know. They're, they're like, well, okay, I agree our with you songs more. like four minutes long. We need to, we need to shorten it down. <laughs> yeah. Get it on the radio. So like, you don't even know if it's going to get on the radio yet. Just have fun playing them, you know. Nice. But your audience, when you when you're in a band, your audience is going to be your best way of seeing if a song's good or not. Because you know, if they like the song, if it's a good song, um, you know, you can't you can't beat a good song. You know, mm-hmm. uh, another producer I worked with was called uh, Bob Marlette. Actually, I worked with Bob when the drummer, me and uh, the drummer of EMF, Mark DeClue, mm-hmm. uh, we actually had this little side project called Black Art Dolls. And we, I was writing some songs, basically, and, you know, we were just having fun, like playing. Yeah. And uh, we went to Moy Valley, um, just over, just over into Wales, just over the border of Wales, um, from where EMF were from. The Forest of Dean, and uh, we we were in there basically cutting some songs with Bob Marlette, um, which are which are really good. We we still we still need to find a singer for that project. But um, mm. when when we were like we were just like out to dinner one day with him, Mark and his family, and me and all that, you know. And uh, I remember I remember he turned around and said like it was kind of funny because like. He was like he would always like be like that father figure to you, you know? and a lot of producers are like that, which I I really respect and I, I love it, you know. Mm. But he was um, he said to me, and I'll ask this question to you. He goes, so uh, what's the cure for a bad snare drum sound? <laughs> what would you say? What would you say? You know, you write songs. Let's say you've recorded some drums. What is the what is the cure for a bad snare drum sound? This is. Before recording it or after recording it? No, you've recorded it and it sounds terrible, the snare. Mm. You know what? I don't know other than what you would do in the mix. Bury it. Right. <laughs> so, so, so we were like, we were like doing the same thing. We were, we were like, okay, so uh, um, you EQ it differently, yeah. or you you slap a compressor on it, and it goes. Yes, you guys are totally wrong. <laughs> All you need is a fucking good song. A good song will make that. It's irrelevant. Do you know what I mean? It's irrelevant. Whatever. Uh-huh. You know? And we were, our minds were like, blown. We were like, 
what a great answer. Mm-hmm. Said, you know, you could fix a bad snare drum sound by having a good song. Because it doesn't matter what it sounds like. A good song's a good song, you know, no matter how many times you record it. And that was like, I've, I've used, I've worked my whole life with that now, going like a good song, if you, a good song's a good song. You know, so. It's true. You might need to cut some of that because I was swearing, but. I'm not <laughs> but I'm you know, not it's inspirational, things like that. And that's the kind of thing you want from a, you know, a producer, especially. Like, like he, he cares more about what song and how the song goes than whether the drums sound good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like that's, he's an old, he, I think he was Frank Zappa's keyboard player back in the day, you know, and he's done so many records. Like, look him up. He, these guys have like done so many, even just as musicians, played as musicians on records, let alone like produce huge records. You know, it's, um, I don't know, like, I just, I just, I just respect that, you know, and yeah. I think that's when it, when it comes down to, the music business, you know, really it doesn't matter. And I, I just think every, all, you know, like up and coming artists and stuff, they need to just remember it. Like it, go and create, be creative, like create a good song. Don't try and stick to the rules. Get yes. like the producer's going to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. You know? At the end of so, the day, uh, it's about the okay. song. Yeah. Yeah. It's always about the song. So, I get it. Be creative. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Break the rules, man. Yes. How how else do we get anything new if you don't break the rules? Exactly. Exactly. Now, what's the biggest show you remember playing with EMF? That was like the one that stood out in your mind. Uh, I think the one that stood out in my mind, um, it's probably, I think it was like, it was like my first or second show with the band. I think it was the second show because it was uh, Brixton Academy. Mm. Um, uh, it's like, that's a 5,000 seater. I don't know if you've ever been to Brixton Academy. but, nope, but I've heard it's of like a, Yeah, it's like you've got 3,000 downstairs and 2,000 upstairs. And it's like an old Victorian theater, you know. Nice. So it sounds cool in there. And uh, I, I remember... Um, I remember like arriving there with my guitar tech. We, we, we drove together, I think, and um, he uh, we got set up. You know, sound check's a sound check. You know, and I didn't use any ears or anything in these days. But uh, there was, I think you can actually see, you can actually type in like EMF Brixton Academy, mm-hmm. and you can see me playing Unbelievable with the band and maybe some other songs yeah. of theirs. So you can find that on YouTube. So it's actually like. Yeah, you can actually find this, this this show on YouTube. Um, but I remember we we were upstairs getting changed, um, and it's a sold out gig. As there were so many people in there, and we we uh, um, we went for this UV paint thing, you know. So there there are lights, but we have these we had these huge uh, like UV bulbs. Yes. Like over the state course of the stage, you know, to light us up basically, to light our face paint and stuff up. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it, was, it was coming like we were five minutes before showtime, and uh, I remember standing inside the stage, and the other guys are waiting to go on. You know, we've done our potatoes. You know, it's like this thing that we do. Like the EMF guys, if you speak to them, they'll tell you about it. like they do this like one potato, two potato thing before they go on, just kind of <laughs> to get you riled up. Yeah, you know. 
And uh, I remember my guitar tech was standing there with a with a guitar and a beer. I had a guitar in one hand, my guitar in one hand, which is already tuned up, ready to go, and uh, a beer in the other. And he was like, he looked at me and went, "You all right?" And I was like, "Yeah, man." And then the house lights went down, mm-hmm. and like all the UV paint started glowing on me. And as soon as that the lights went down, you know, the crowd started screaming, and like the shivers went up my arm, like like all up my spine. Wow. And I just remembered, like, I kept shaking, he saw me shaking my hand because my hands went numb because <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't, like, I was, it's that kind of adrenaline rush, you know, you're like, this is it. Yes. <laughs> There's no turning back now, you know. And uh, he thought, he put the guitar on me and he said, pound this beer, so I pounded the beer. And then he, he whacked me, he whacked me on the ass and I just walked, walked on stage and just, it was just, it was a great show. Because it's like, you know, that big, you know, the crowd's going, going wild and stuff. But mm-hmm. I remember, I think I remember it more, not because of the, like the audience, because the audience are great. I just remember the feeling and having a, having a great guitar tech in the industry and in, in in a guitar player in the band. Mm-hmm. They're like your best friend because they know your guitars. They know what tuning is going to be. They know all of it, you know? Yes. And he could see the look on my face of like sheer terror. <laughs> <laughs> but, it was like I, 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 you know, I really appreciate those, those kind. Of, I actually kind of appreciate because after I did that, I haven't had nerves since. Do you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, ne- I never had nerves big, but that kind of like topped it off for me. Not the kind you where know? you freeze up, like more like excited. Exactly. Yeah, adrenaline. You know what I mean? So that, that to me is always going to stick with me because, like, like that guy, his name's Hot Steve. Hot Steve, if you're listening, this is a shout out to you. <laughs> but uh, he. Uh, He's called Hot Steve because he's got a really red face. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually he he's actually the guitar tech for therapy. He plays a bit of guitar for therapy too. You know that band? Hot Steve. Therapy. I don't know if they made it over to Canada, but <laughs> I don't know. I want to put it in your playlist, but um, but yeah, like I don't know. That, it was just a great, a great feeling. You know, and it was even better coming off because you were buzzed because it was such a great show. It sounded good. That's... I mean, if you look it up on on YouTube, you'll get a, you'll be able to see what it looked like and I am going to hear the crowd because like that sounds yeah. like the ultimate high. <laughs> yeah, I, I was buzzing by the time I got the uh, unbelievable. So, you no kidding. Um, <laughs> so, do you prefer doing live performance or do you prefer studio work? I am, I love them equally. Mm. Like playing live is a different kind of beast. You know, studio work, um, you don't just get one shot at it, mm-hmm. you know, because you're not like you, you, but you have to be more focused on your plan. Yes. I suppose not, but only because it is capturing a moment in time. Um, and then obviously live, you have to be on point, but it's got, there's more of a tug and pull live, which makes, you know, one night could be better than the other. Not because you played different, because it, you, you felt different or, things sounded slightly different in your monitors and, you know, and the crowd was different, you know, so they're two kind of different beasts really, but I couldn't choose one or the other because I love them equally. Mm. Um, but there's nothing, you know, you get, I, I, I say I'd get more of a buzz from live performance because you're getting the instant reaction from people. Yes. Whereas if I listen back to a, a, a record I've played on, you're not getting that until you hear it on the radio mm. and then you go, oh, I, I, I enjoyed listening to my guitar there, you know, whatever. 
Mm-hmm. Plus, you can't go back in time and go, damn, I played that wrong. I should have, I should have did this in the solo. <laughs> yes. So, uh, they're, they're different beasts, but I love them equally. Yes. Perform, but you know, the performance is all, all, always great. I, I enjoy that. Mm. I get it. I get it. I've sang in a rock band for many years, so definitely oh, there, right, is, there is something to be said for both. For sure. Mm, um, I don't have too many more questions. One, one last question, and then I'm going to ask you some silly stuff. Um, do you have any regrets? Regrets? Yeah. About, about the path of your career, or are, are you pretty content with how things have gone? No, I, I think, here, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, it, it, this, this, I'll combine this into the same, you know, the, when I was, what I would tell my 16 year old version of me? Yes. I'll knock these out with the two things. And that, I've always been a hungry musician, you know, and I've always, my dad said this thing to me, he said, like, you know, um, you don't stop, you know, like, no matter what, you don't let anyone come in between you and, you know, like, yeah, you just work real hard and the rest of it comes along, basically, you know, to the limit and beyond, my dad would say. And uh, the only regret would be not doing enough when I was younger. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Although I was out playing in bars and stuff, you know, when, when I, by the time I got to like 19 and I had opportunities, which I, I won't go too much into, but I had other opportunities to play for some big bands and I didn't, not that I didn't work hard enough and I didn't, des- like, I would say I didn't deserve it because I was, I was young and dumb thinking, you know, like I was there going, oh, I'm not going to get it. So, you know, I didn't give it like 900%. I gave it 100%, you know. Mm. You can always, you can always do more. And there's always, you can always play more, you know. And I think that's what I would say to the old, the 16-year-old version of me is don't turn anything down. Don't listen to anyone but your mentors and yourself and, and trust your own opinion, you know. Mm. Like I'm hungry and now at 40 or 39, mm-hmm. uh, than I was back then, and I should I should have been just as hungry, if not hungrier, when I was sixteen. Um, and I was I was probably the hungriest sixteen year old guitarist around. You know what I mean? But now I look back at it, I would like to go look, do this, do this, you know, and all the stuff I've learned from people like you know these producers I worked with. I want to tell that information to him too. You know, so. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Cabal, Cabal, there you go. That's, what I'm saying. It's a beautiful answer. <laughs> and you answered both <laughs> questions there. So solid. Good. Um, so my silly questions for you to wrap things up. All right. You have to pick right. Brian Adams or Bruce Springsteen. Oh my god. Uh Brian Adams. All right. Blink one eighty two or Green Day? Uh Blink one eighty two. Counting Crows or Matchbox 20? Uh, well, I've seen Counting count Crows bore me. Now. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go with Matchbox 20, but I wouldn't want to pick either of them, but I'll go with Matchbox 20. <laughs> okay. Uh, Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera? Oh, it is easy. Christina Aguilera. I love that Stripped album. That, is that Stripped album. album was fantastic. That is her <clears> best album. Yeah, the guitar album. work on it. Yeah, it's... It's such a good album, and the guitar work on it um, is fantastic, too. Mm-hmm. All right. New York or Los Angeles? Uh, L.A. Los 
Yeah. I do a lot more work over there. And again, it's that laid back vibe. Yeah. New York is, gives me like heart palpitations. <laughs> it's, so, <laughs> it's too much of a stress. It's like going to London. Like yeah. it's, it, it, no one chills out. It, like just take a lunch break, man. Don't <laughs> eat your lunch while you're working. Yeah. Funny. And but yeah, let's go to Los Angeles. Yeah, I've been to New York. I haven't been to LA, but I'm going to change that. Go. I want to go to yeah, Nam. Go. I want to go to Nam. I missed it this year again. <laughs> yeah. Have you been to Nam? Yeah, Nam's fun. Yes, yes. Maybe next year we'll I'll meet you over in Nam. Let's have a drink. We'll, uh, we'll have a drink at Nam. Right. <laughs> we'll have more than one. I'm oh, sure of that. I, yeah, I, I never have <laughs> like just one drink, so I'm in. <laughs> but, but, but yeah. Uh-huh. I, I need to go back over there and, and you know, like, uh, look after my endorsements because I, I don't spend enough time with those guys, you know, like Billy and Dave, who do, like, my guitars and amps and stuff, and need to go over and mm-hmm. do that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you know what? So, I, yeah. I know you mentioned you're going to be turning 40 soon, so I want to wish you a happy birthday ahead of time. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and I really want to sincerely thank you for spending this time with me today. Yeah. It's awesome. Been- yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. There you have it, my interview with EMF's Tim Stevens. What a pleasure to talk to that guy. He was super kind and interesting. And the nice thing is what 15 minutes was supposed to be, and it was an hour. So he really helped us out with our very first show. And if you want to follow him, you can find him on Instagram and Twitter. As well, check out the Mo Giles Band, where he's currently playing. Coming up on our next episode, we're going to be welcoming my good friend Colin Krieger, who's going to be my co-host for the show. We're going to be talking about some other artists such as Moxie Fruvis, Firehouse, Karen White. These are some of the artists we have coming up. And the list, you're not even going to believe how many artists we've brainstormed for this show. So it's only going to get better from here. More interviews, more fun. And I'm going to tell you all about the interview I did with the bass player of Moxie Fruvis, Marie Foster. What a wonderful guy. Some things went technically wrong with my recording. So I'll tell you the story about that. And I want to just celebrate my very first episode by cracking my analog brewing three amigos. This is the peach hot pepper Hefeweizen. And it's going to be great. Thank you, Analog Brewing, for taking care of us and sponsoring our show and being the official beer of Dope Nostalgia. We're coming to you from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and we'll see you next episode. Got a question for us? Just email us, dopenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. Twitter, you can find us at Nostalgia Dope. Instagram, dope underscore nostalgia. Dope underscore nostalgia. That's how you find us. And our Facebook page. Just search Dope Nostalgia. See you guys.